You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Diana Merriam with the Economy Conference, and you are listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. I'll never forget the first Economy Conference. It was March 2020, right before the world came to a screeching halt, brought to its knees by a pandemic. It was the last time I was together in person with my community. As the months have passed, I've spent a lot of time thinking about who we choose to surround ourselves with. What values do we share? How do we come together to grow, learn, and celebrate ourselves? And where? A year and a half later, we are slowly starting to gather in person again. Economy will be back this November, and I'll be there. Diana Miriam is the founder of Economy and was motivated to start a conference after the pursuit of fire changed her life. After she discovered blogs like Mr. Money Mustache and Frugal Woods, as well as books such as Your Money or Your Life and The Simple Path to Wealth, she used her newfound knowledge to get out of $30,000 of debt in 11 months. The Economy Conference this year is November 13th and 14th at the University of Ohio. Diana, welcome to Earn and Invest. I'm thinking back to the first Economy Conference in March 2020 and the Diana Miriam I know today. Quite a bit has changed in your life, hasn't it? It has. It has. And just quick correction, it's University of Cincinnati. I don't want people going to the University of Ohio. I don't even know if that exists. But anyway, University of Cincinnati is is where we do the event. But yes, so much has changed. I mean, just the world has changed for all of us. And for me personally, I actually decided to quit my job in January and I am not financially independent, which seems like, hey, I thought you're supposed to reach FI and then and then pull the plug, right? What happened to that chain of events? I would say that it was pretty unexpected. I had anticipated staying at my current employer for the next six years until I reached FI. That was really my plan. I had been there for nine years, so long-term employer for me. But the reality is that dynamics can change in, in unexpected ways. And I think that we all have to be really flexible when we come up with our our five plans and and the way we think things could go, because the universe is going to send you obstacles as well as opportunities. And I think the more flexible we can be on our path and the more willing we are to leverage the financial freedom that we've built thus far, the better we're going to be able to navigate those obstacles or seize those opportunities. So, you know, it was, it was 
thrilling and also sad for me. I was again with my employer for a very long time. I had very deep relationships there, deep friendships there, but the dynamic of the organization really changed. And I think it became very clear to me that I was no longer valued. And so I needed to make a decision and I decided to leave without really having a, you know, what is my next job going to be? I think I, I permitted myself to take a big risk and now it is seven months later, and I'm so glad I did that. I, I really think that it was the right decision for me. I'm still figuring it out, but a ton of doors are opening for me. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to be where I'm at. That was a big leap of faith, leaving mm. your job without a safety net per se. Tell me how doing the first economy conference changed the way you thought about this? Like, could you have done this before you created the economy conference? Hmm. I actually think the economy conference creates a lot of risk in the decision that I made. And the reason why I say that is because I had a 60% savings rate with my W-2 employment. That 60% savings rate basically allowed me to do work that I wanted to do. It was like subsidizing this work that I wanted to do on economy. Now that I don't have that safety net of the money I was bringing in from my W-2, it actually creates a lot more risk on economy. Economy, you know, as you know, last year I took a very big loss. I took about a 40 grand loss on the conference. That itself is a leap of faith that I'm looking at this as something that I'm building for the future that I, I do believe is going to be a sustainable business in the long run. I think the trouble with it is that I never set it up for me to personally profit. I never set it up as a stream of income for myself. I think my initial idea was almost this idealistic, you know, what would I do with my time if I didn't have to work for money? And this is what I really wanted to do with my time. But the reality is I got so impatient. I couldn't wait till financial independence to do that, but I never changed that idealistic position of, I don't want to do this for money. So it creates a lot of risk because, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on economy and yet I don't, I'll, it almost handcuffs me in a way because I need to figure out other sources of income if I'm going to keep supplementing this business until it's sustainable on its own. Economy, I think can lead to other sources of income. I think it could, I need to really change some things up for it to be an income stream for myself. But for example, because I did economy, I was able to secure this job as the new host of Optimal Finance Daily, which covers about a third of my monthly expenses. So that wasn't directly profiting from economy, but because I did economy and there were so many synergies with the podcast, it enabled me to get that job. That's actually my first paying side hustle. I see economy almost being that calling card for other opportunities like that. And if that's all that it ends up being, I'm totally fine with that. The reason why I created it wasn't for you know an additional source of income. It really speaks to your evolution when it comes to financial independence and your own personal finances, I mean, let's look back. You were $30,000 in debt. You took almost what I would say is the conservative route, right? You got interested in financial independence. You said, I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to have this 60% savings rate. Yet as you've evolved, you've evolved to take more risks. And it's it's actually kind of interesting, right? Because from what we think of FIRE is more kind of playing it safe, right? Yeah, and that's exactly, you're doing a little bit of the opposite. And yet 
maybe feeling empowered by what you've learned by being part of this fire movement? Yeah, I definitely think that my evolution, my relationship with money has evolved. When I was first getting into this stuff and getting out of 30 grand in debt, like I stopped wearing makeup. I was making my own laundry (laughs) detergent. I like, I like was, I was not spending any money because I really looked at this debt as an emergency and I needed to get out of this as quickly as possible. And I don't regret that at all. I don't think like I wouldn't have done it any differently. I think really that self-imposed restriction enabled me to learn the skill set that is still serving me very well today and to be become more self-sufficient, you know, to really start to see how resourceful and creative I am in getting my needs met. That, that those are invaluable skill sets. So I'm very happy that I had that experience. But as I, you know, was building up to the 60% savings rate, I realized that it opened up this door to ask bigger questions. I could have continued to ask myself, how do I reduce my expenses even more and increase my income even more and get myself from 60 to a 70% savings rate? I could have absolutely done that. And I know many people that do, right? But I saw this opportunity to start asking questions like, what do I want to do with my time? Who do I want to spend it with? And what do I want to create? Because I think when you start questioning consumption as much as I did when I was getting out of debt, you start to see the flip side of that, that I don't, I want to be less of a consumer and more of a creator, whether that's on a small scale in my own life, creating a meal, or whether it's on a larger scale, creating a conference where I get hundreds of people to come party with me about money. Right. And so I, I feel like a lot of people, and I've noticed that a lot of people will wait to ask those questions until they get to financial independence. And I think that we're missing out on a big opportunity if we're not asking those kind of questions along the way. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. One thing I've noticed is a lot of people who've steeped themselves in the financial independence movement really get to this point where money becomes a much more of a secondary thought process. Mm-hmm. And they consider much more of what you're saying is, well, what do I want to do with my time? Yeah. You know, and you're reminding me of this amazing quote that I love by Ayn Rand. Is that how you say it? I would say, want to say Anne, but it's Ayn. I've said Ayn or Ayn. I'm not sure. Ayn. Okay. Ayn. Whatever her name is. But there's this amazing quote that she says, money is only a tool. It will take you wherever you want to go, but it will not replace you as the driver. And I think a lot of times we're putting, we're, we're putting money in that driver's seat. Like it's going to be able to tell us the direction, but it's not, it's only a tool to get us there. We still, it's our responsibility to ask those big questions. Like I had mentioned before. We've spent a lot of time mentioning the fire or financial independent retire early movement. I'm taking this off your website. The Economy Conference has roots in the FIRE movement, which is a lifestyle movement with the goal of financial freedom. How much of economy is really meant for people interested in FIRE? I think that it's really a mixed bag from what I'm seeing. There are people that are not as interested in FIRE, but they love the idea of financial freedom and having more flexibility and designing their lifestyle. So this would apply to them. I think whether you want to retire early or not, this is still, you know, it's about money. It's about financial independence. It's about life design. It's about a- 
asking those bigger questions, you know, so even people that are already financially independent or have retired early, I think they can still get a lot out of this event. One of our breakout sessions is actually going to be great. I retired early. Now what? Because <laughs> you know? I, I think a lot of people are asking those questions. I think it's really a celebration of the powerful resource of money. And that's a very personal thing. And so fire is just one almost context that people use to identify with money, right? Or to help explain their relationship with money. But everybody has a relationship with money. Fire is just one way to look at it. And even within fire, there's so many flavors to fire, right? It's just it, what it really boils down to is, is this is a really personal thing, but for everyone, money is a really powerful resource that you can use for your own personal development, really, and to create the life that you want to live. You say that we subscribe to a new American dream. What does that mean? What is yeah. the old American dream and, and what's new that, that you can find at Economy? Well, I think when I think about how the American dream originated, it really originated as this ideal where each person can pursue their unique version of happiness. And I think that was kind of the original idea. And then it devolved into this kind of consumerist culture where we are almost subscribing to what society tells us the American dream should be. It is the big house. It's the white picket fence. It's the 2.5 kids. It's the two brand new cars, right? It's this these external markers of success. That's what the American dream is. I, I think that we should be Going back to the original intention of the American dream, which is your unique version of happiness. And that's going to look so different for, for everyone. For me, it's creating a party about money and going and walking the Camino and adopting my dog and spending much, as much time with him as I can. For other people, it's you know the nomadic lifestyle and traveling around in an RV. For other people, it's their nine to five, and that's what they would choose regardless of what you know society wanted them to pick. There, there's so many options, and I think reclaiming you know the the American dream is is about recognizing that you can have a very unique picture of what you want for yourself, and I think it's also questioning. Are my wants actually my wants that are originating from me? Or is it what society tells me? Or is it what the fire movement is telling me? Let's question that too, right? Because a lot of people will say, well, if I subscribe to fire, well, then I've got to eat rice and beans and I've got to have these ideals of, you know, never driving a car and biking everywhere and blah, 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 blah. I think that's a big misconception that fire is one thing. You know, I, I think it's up to all of us to write our unique stories. And in fact, the new American dream may not be to retire early, right? So this is a big right. part of the FIRE acronym that we're seeing, as you said, that some people do love their nine to five, and that doesn't necessarily exclude you from being part of this community. Yeah. And what I love about creating economy is that I really want to like put a literal spotlight on all of these different aspects of the way that money plays a role in your life. It's not just one way. There are so many different ways to think about it. I think that everybody has a unique set of skills, preferences, and circumstances that allow them to leverage money in different ways. And you can't copy anyone else's story, but you can be inspired by it. And so that's, that's kind of 
the intention behind the event is to expose yourself to all these other amazing stories with, with the people on stage, as well as the people in the audience that you'll get to, you know, interact with and, and see what resonates with you and then go, go figure out how to implement that in your life. I'm glad you brought up that point of not just the people on the stage, but the yeah. people in the crowd. One thing I noticed from the first economy is it wasn't just people sitting there listening to speakers. There was a lot of dialogue back and forth with audience members. You got the feeling that people were learning just as much from their neighbors sitting next to them as they were from the speaker up on the stage. Absolutely. And and that's part of the reason why I try to find so many opportunities to get people interacting with each other because yes, the main stage speakers are amazing and they help me with my marketing to be able to say, (laughs) Mr. Money Mustache is coming, which by the way, he is, you know, it's amazing to be able to say that, but there is so much knowledge in the room, so much knowledge in the room. And so we have breakout sessions that are not formal presentations. We find experts in a topic to basically facilitate a conversation amongst attendees. And that way, you know, you're sitting in a room about, you know, healthcare options in early retirement and someone tells a story and you say, you know what, that that's a person that I want to go talk to later, or they said something that was really interesting. And I'm going to go up to them after that. You know, I, 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 I just cannot stress enough that like this community is some of the smartest, most creative people I've ever met. It's, it's, it's just an amazing opportunity to tap into that community, you know, at economy. I'll also note that a lot of the speakers from the last one are coming as guests to this one. And some of the people who are speakers at this one had attended the first. So it's not Absolutely. just these figures that are going to be appearing on stage, but there are a lot of people well-known within the community content creators who tend to show up to be a part of this. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, that actually surprised me at first because the original intention was, you know, FinCon is really for content creators to figure out how to grow their business, right? But economy creates this really unique opportunity for content creators to interact with their audience and vice versa. Like you'll be surprised who you see in the audience. And and I also think it's a great opportunity for content creators to perhaps get inspired by content that their readers need to know about. So like, for example, I really love bringing in people that are maybe not the usual suspects within the fire community, maybe people that are kind of on the periphery that have really something relevant to add. So one of our speakers in that regard is Angel Salucci. She talks about medical billing fraud which is an $80 billion problem that no one's talking about. You know, we all talk about ne- needing to address the cost of health insurance, but even if you have health insurance, what do you do when you get that big medical bill? And she has just amazing information to share on that, that I don't see anybody else sharing in the fire movement. So in that sense, I feel that content creators could really benefit from the content themselves. In a moment, we're going to get back to this idea of who's speaking and what's going to be happening on the day of the conference. But before we do, tell me, what is an economist or an economist, depending on if you pronounce the E or not? It's a word that I made up. As you know, Zachi, I love misspelled words. So an economist, or I like to say economist, right? It's a homophone. It's a different spelling, same pronunciation, different meaning. But really what that is, is a a way that you identify with the potential of money. So I'll just like briefly read you 
kind of this statement of what I mean when I say economist, this word that I made up. So it's, it's kind of almost like a mission statement, a way that we can relate to each other and identify with our relationship with money. So we believe happiness comes from freedom, creativity, and community. We subscribe to a new American dream that doesn't include excessive material possessions, conveniences, and money, which sounds a little ironic. We're talking about growing money, but do we really need excessive amounts of money, right? I think a lot of us realize in the fire movement that this concept of enough, we actually need a lot less than we might think we do. We want more self-directed time, more mental space, and more connection with the people we love. Resourcefulness is gratifying. Effort is the spice of life. Sharing is caring. We are not consumerist suckers. We DIY, we optimize, we cook amazing food. We believe happiness is less about pleasure and much more about the expansion of possibility. You're talking to Diana Miriam, the creator of the Economy Conference. Let's take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is... There's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Here on Earn and Invest, we often talk about fintech, but specifically, which apps do you use that makes your money easier? Well, I like to send people to Unify Money. Unify Money covers the whole gamut of our financial needs, including savings with high-yield savings accounts, spending, including credit cards, as well as investing. A core part of our long-term financial security and resilience is building an investment portfolio. The earlier we start, the better. And the less we lose in fees, the more money we'll make in the long run. 
Unify Money helps you create a personalized investment portfolio effortlessly and gives you the option to trade actively across both traditional equities as well as stocks, funds, alternative assets, cryptocurrencies, gold, silver coins and bars, you name it. They even have fractional investments in precious metals. Everything you can think of, you can find it at Unify Money. Check them out. Go to earnandinvest.com slash unify. That's earnandinvest.com slash U-N-I-F-I. We are talking to Diana Miriam. She paid off $30,000 worth of debt when she discovered the FIRE movement and is the creator of the Economy Conference. Diana, let's talk about specifics. First and foremost, how many people did you have for the first Economy Conference and how many do you think you'll have this year? Yeah, so we had 250 people at the first one, which is an amazing turnout for someone like me who like nobody nobody knew me from a row of goats, right? I had to like convince <laughs> people that that I was actually able to pull this off. But yeah, we had 250 people show up for the first one. My capacity at the venue, as you know, you were there, it's a pretty big venue. My capacity is 700 people. So my original goal was like, let's get 700 people in a room. And with this amazing speaker lineup that I know we'll talk through, I do think we can attract that many people. But, you know, we're less than three months away. We're at about 200 people right now. I think a lot of people are waiting to kind of wait to buy their ticket. So it's possible. I'm still rooting for it. Yeah. I was about to say people for these type of conferences tend to buy last minute. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for the numbers to increase greatly like the month or even a few weeks before the conference because people have had it on their calendar, but haven't yep. dove in yet. Tell me how you think this year is going to be different than the first. What did you kind of learn from the first economy and and what changes did you put in place? Mm -hmm. Well, there was a resounding amount of feedback, more breakout sessions, more breakout sessions. So I have heard that and I'm definitely planning a lot more breakout sessions. We showed Playing With Fire, like we screened the documentary Playing With Fire, which a lot of people were like, hey, I could have watched that at home. Right. I wanted to use this time to interact with other people. So we're we're not going to be like screening any more movies. I also really marketed it as a one-day event last year because the main part of the event is Saturday. That's our main day of programming, programming. That's our main day of main stage speakers, breakout sessions. That's when the after party is. But we do have activities on Sunday. And I kind of lightly promoted that. So I'm making sure more people know that there's a lot of fun to be had on Sunday as well. More breakout sessions. We do an urban hike around Cincinnati, which is, I love it because I think that Cincinnati is the best city to pursue financial independence. It's like the lowest cost of living major metro area in the country. And I moved here from New York City. So trust me, people, it is worth checking out. So we do this urban hike that shows you all around Cincinnati. It's pretty incredible. We are also, this is new this year, we are going to do a chartered bus tour to explore Cincy real estate because it's a great place for real estate investors. So we've got a sponsor for that. We've got an expert on on the various neighborhoods. So we're going to drive around. We're going to do some case studies on properties that have been good for investors in this area. So if you're a real estate investor, you're definitely going to want to check that out. Um, Because it'll be in November, 
we were originally going to do a kayaking excursion, but we're actually going to do more of a bowling alley hangout. And we'll also be able to have breakout sessions there. And of course, brewery tours. Cincinnati is very well known for our independent breweries. So that'll be an evening activity on Sunday. The other addition is on Friday night. We didn't have any programming last year, but Friday night, we are doing a live recording of the Stacking Benjamins show. So exciting. So I'm telling people like come in on Friday afternoons so that you make sure you can get to the Stacking Benjamins recording. Yeah. And I will be involved in that recording too. So Stacking Benjamins, is, as you may know, I work with Joe Salcihai and I know he is really excited. There is nothing like a live podcast oh, yeah. recording. There's so much fun. So tell me about the breakout sessions. How are you choosing them? What do mm-hmm. you expect will be there? What type of stuff will we be talking about? Yeah. So I am going to be surveying the attendees as it gets closer because I want to make, I have like a list of like so many different ideas for breakout sessions, but I want to make sure that we plan the ones that have the most demand. But there are a few key ones that have already gotten a lot of requests. So for example, asset allocation and retirement and drawdown strategies was a big one. And we've got an expert for that, that I'm very excited about the the never ending debate on should i pay off my house or should i invest we're <laughs> going to be exploring that'll never that go away. Yeah. that we'll be exploring that in a breakout session oh this one i am like you're going to see me start like my neck is so red right now because i'm so excited i'm like <laughs> okay we're doing a speed dating session during a breakout really? session really yeah wow. because there's a lot and i've partnered with did you know that there's a website for online dating for people who are into fire. It's called firedating.me. So I've partnered with them to to promote it a bit and make sure we get more singles to come. But yeah, we're going to be doing a speed dating breakout session. So if you're single- Is that Amin Lakani? No, he has another, I believe he has a Facebook group called Fire Singles. This guy's name is Victor and it's an actual website, firedating.me. And I am so excited about that because again, this event is all about community and connection and like finding your people. If someone met their spouse at economy, I would just be, I would lose my mind. Like that is like (laughs) my dream. That is my dream. So we are also considering like the financials of divorce. I said said fire singles and then financials of divorce. So first go to the divorce one and then make (laughs) your way over to the speed dating. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a financial reality for a lot of people. So we should be talking about it. You know, how to engage your children in saving and investing and talking to kids about money. I'm also thinking of doing attendee case studies because when I went to Camp Mustache, this really helped me. I ran a session on attendee case studies where it was kind of like a PowerPoint slides of basically opening up the books, your income, your expenses, your fire plan, like your assumptions, and then opening it up to the room to like poke holes in it. It really helped me to get reassurances on my plan from other really smart people in the room. So Mm -hmm. I think we might do attendee case studies. They can take a bit long, so we'd probably only be able to highlight a few people. We're also looking at cryptocurrency. We're looking at self-employment, entrepreneurship, you know, late bloomers. If you're late to the party, you know, what are the unique things that you need to be thinking about? So we are, I'm collecting a lot of feedback from the audience of what they'd like to see. And I'm putting this all into a survey so that we can make sure that we plan the sessions that people really want to see, but it's all across the board. Now, last year, 
most of the talks on stage were TED-like talks. Mm -hmm. Is that also going to be the same format or do you have some panels or some other things going to be on the main stage this year? Most of it is similar format with the TED Talk style talks. However, we are going to close out the the show. So you last year closed this out with an amazing performance, but we are now going to actually close out the show with a panel. And I'm really excited about this panel because it's being moderated by J.D. Roth. And on the panel, we have Joe Salcihai. We've got Mr. Money Mustache, which can we all just like freak out with me for a minute? (laughs) I am totally fangirling the fact that, you know, Mr. Money Mustache is even that he's coming, that he took interest in this thing. You know, he totally changed my life. And the fact that, you know, he texts me and tells me that, you know, he's interested in being on this panel is just mind blowing to me. But yes, Mr. Money Mustache, we got Paula Pant. We've got Missima McElroy will be on that panel as well as Kirsten Saunders. And what I love about this panel is that all of these people have done a ton of interviews. They're asked like the same old questions over and over. If you look at the tagline for the event, it's provocative speakers exploring a new American dream. I want to ask this panel some provocative questions, <laughs> right? Like what are the the out of left field questions that we can throw at them? Because remember, economy is just as entertaining as it is informative. So I, I, I think about the entertainment value of, of the programming for the audience a lot. And I am super excited to collect provocative questions from the audience for our panel. And we're probably going to collect them before the event to make sure that we've got some real juicy ones. So tell us about the speakers. Who's going to be on the main stage? What are they going to be talking about? Yeah. So the speakers, um, bitches get riches. I am so excited about this one. (laughs) As you know, they are hilarious. And I don't know if you know this about them, but Piggy is a musician. And this... I I don't want to throw them under the bus by like announcing this prematurely, but we did talk about them potentially doing some musical comedy on stage. But but the the topic that we settled on was financial fuck ups, because a lot of people are afraid to make moves because they're so afraid to make mistakes. And so they're going to share with us some of their financial fuck ups. And like, by the way, it's it's all fixable. This is all figure outable. Right. So that's bitches get riches. Kevin Ha, also known as the Financial Panther, he was actually requested. I have a a spot on my website where you can recommend a speaker or tell me who you really want to see. And a number of people asked to see the Financial Panther, which I honestly hadn't heard of him before. But I reached out to him and we actually have a lot in common. What's cool about Kevin is that he was a lawyer making a great six-figure salary. He reached Coast Fi and then decided, you know what? 10 more years of working, you know, in law firms is not for me. And so after Coast Fi, he basically is paving his path, coasting along through gig gig work. And he talks about this a lot, side hustles and gig work. And he has full autonomy over his time, which was his main goal in even pursuing fire in the first place. So he, I really like Kevin because he gives, again, such that unique, different spin on the way that he looks at all this stuff. Yeah. And Kevin's fun just because he does like a million different side hustles and talks about them all on his website. So you can see all the different stuff he's done and whether it's been profitable or not. It's fascinating. Really, really. We also have Nasima McElroy. So I mentioned she's on the panel, but she's also doing a main stage speech. And this woman got out of a million dollars of debt. 
you know, and when she was, so she was at economy last year. And I think anyone who was there remembers Jackie Cummings Kosky did an amazing presentations about the real numbers behind her firing. And what people loved about it was that, you know, she was a single black mother. She found this at 38 and 10 years later, you know, she's financially independent and she retires at 49, but she was so transparent and really opened the books. It is the most popular speech on my YouTube channel. People loved it. And so when I talked to Nasima about speaking and I'm like, you saw how people react to Jackie, you got to tell this getting out of debt story and you got to open those books. And she was like, okay, she was up for the challenge. So I'm, I'm really excited for her. Carl Jensen, Mr. 1500, man, <laughs> Carl, I saw him speak at Camp Fi two years ago in Colorado Springs. And he gets up there with like a dinosaur, a little dinosaur toy in his pocket. And like, <laughs> I said to him afterwards, you should be a stand-up comedian because he is hilarious. He's hilarious. And he has a lot to say. And I think that he learned a lot from his death march to Fi. And he looks back on it and says, I probably could do this, could have done this a little differently and not tortured myself so much. So he's coming from the perspective of someone who is financially independent and retired and kind of what he wishes he knew earlier. Rich Jones, paychecks and balances, you know, he works in the HR department at Google, focusing on diversity and inclusiveness. This guy is all about career development. So as much as we love Kevin talking about side hustles and gig economy, Rich is all about, hey, the best way for you to grow your income is to leverage your career. So he's really going to talk about career development and increasing your income that way. I told you about angel and medical billing fraud. So excited for that one. And then we also have Stephanie Zito. Now I met Stephanie... I don't know that she's particularly well-known within the FIRE community. I met her at World Domination Summit a few years ago, and she did a three-hour presentation on credit card hacking for like travel rewards points. She has been to every continent. She's been to like 127 countries, if I'm remembering that number correctly. She is like an expert on leveraging rewards points for travel and you know, when I saw her do this three hour presentation, which was fascinating, she had endless energy. I couldn't believe it. And I remember journaling that night and saying, if I ever had the opportunity to work with this woman, I got to figure out a way. And at that time, I didn't even know I was going to do economy. So of course I reached out to her and I couldn't believe that she accepted because she's the kind of person you ever meet those people where they're so lit up by what they're doing that you're like, man, that person has found their purpose. That's the way I feel about her. And I just really want other people to see that. And then of course, JD Roth, which JD has been just instrumental in helping me line up the speakers, connecting me with sponsors. You know, we've got a bi-weekly call where we kind of go over everything. And I met him a few times before, but I got to spend some time with him at Camp Fi in Colorado Springs last July. You know, he just really loved what I was doing and wanted to help me out. And it's it's just it's been incredible. He's been extremely helpful. So he's going to be moderating the panel, and then we're also looking at some some other things that he can address on stage. Yeah, it's interesting. Both JD Roth and Carl Jensen were like that traditional fire path, and it's interesting to note kind of the evolution with some of the other speakers as 
they've moved away from that kind of grinding it out at a job you don't like and are more kind of focused on lifestyle and meaning and purpose, which I think is the thrust of how people look at financial independence today. Absolutely. You mentioned sponsors. Are there some main sponsors for the event? Yes. Oh my gosh. Doc G. Last year, I called on like over a hundred companies trying to get them to believe in me and sponsor me. But I get it. Like I'm unproven, right? I didn't have anything to point to, to give them confidence that I could pull this off. And so now that I did the first one and people loved it and I had, you know, such an amazing response to it, I was able to point to that and secure Motley Fool, which is like mind blowing. Motley Fool believes in me. That's crazy. I got cube money and Republic wireless and I'm I'm wor- I'm finalizing the contract right now and I'm like 99% sure that it's fine so I'll say it but Roofstock Roofstock is sponsoring that bus tour for for real estate and so yeah and I have a couple of spots for I have a couple spots left for more sponsors. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a sponsor, so yeah, it's, you know, it, this is not a, a conference that I want overrun with sponsors. I only have seven slots and that's very intentional because I'm a bit picky. I really only want to work with companies that I feel add a lot of value to the attendees, helping them on their path to FI and that, you know, both sides can really benefit from them, you know, getting involved in the event. So, so yeah, it's really exciting. We're talking with Diana Miriam, creator of the Economy Conference. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G and this is Earn and Invest. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to remind you that if you're enjoying the conversations we're having here every Monday and Thursday at the Earn and Invest podcast, you can also check us out on Facebook at the Earn and Invest Facebook group. That's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. There we continue the conversations that start in the podcast. We discuss everything from personal finance to economics to current events. Who knows what will come up next? Become part of our community by going to earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. We'll see you there. We're talking to Diana Miriam, creator and founder of the Economy Conference, which is going to be November 13th and 14th this year. So Diana, let's look at this from the thousand foot view. Tell me a little about the ups and downs of creating your own conference. Oh man, do you have another hour? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when I, when I think it comes to any entrepreneurial pursuit, you are just, you're stepping into the unknown and you're making all of these assumptions on what you think is going to work and how you think it's going to go. And then you're totally wrong, right? Or like things happen that you could have never anticipated. So I think the hardest part for me, honestly, is the marketing, is really putting myself out there and making sure people know about it. I mean, obviously, like, look at me, like, red and sweating. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I I get the crazy eyes. Like, I feel like my head is going to explode. I'm so excited. And I'm so proud of this thing that I created. But I also, I struggle with the digital marketing side of things. And we all know like when we're getting pestered by people that are like clogging your inbox and you're being inundated by ads and it's just annoying, right? Like buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing. 
I don't want to beg anyone or try to convince anyone to come to my event. I just want to tell you about it. And if it resonates, then awesome. Let's party together. And if not, then like, I want to leave you alone, you know? And I do think that hurts me a bit in spreading the word because I get punished by the social media algorithms a lot. Even if you're following me, a lot of times you're not going to see my posts because I don't post enough. So I definitely think that's been a struggle. And even just like putting myself out there, I never thought of myself as a content creator. I looked at myself as an event planner. You know, I created this literal stage for people who really had good content to share to be able to share it in a new medium. And what I didn't realize is that no one's going to trust this faceless brand of economy. I really needed to kind of put myself out there and let them get to know me and help people understand why I created this, what's the intention behind it, and why they should care and how they would benefit. And that was a learning curve for me. That really unearthed a lot of insecurities that I didn't know I had. I thought that I like to be the person that's the center of attention, but then it actually happened and I wanted to crawl under a table. <laughs> you know, like I did not, I did not realize that about myself. So, so I think battling the insecurities, battling the financial hit, you know, that took a lot of reframing and talking myself off a ledge because it's scary. I mean, I lost 40 grand on the first event and it's not lost. I made a 40 grand investment, right? I mean, as the business grows, I could absolutely recoup that. But it's it's risky to put that much money on the line and then also leave your job and then also be planning a mass gathering in the middle of a pandemic. It's huge. It's it's a huge, huge risk. And being able to emotionally navigate that uncertainty and emotionally navigate the realities of entrepreneurship was a big learning curve for me. I think the skills that make me a really good employee do not serve me as an entrepreneur. And that that's been a hard lesson. You know, I I worked at a big agency for multi-billion dollar brands where everything I put out the door was perfect. You can't do that in a new endeavor. You've got to just try. You've got to be messy. You've got to start ugly, you know, and and that that was hard for me. But at the end of the day, the way I've kind of justified it to myself is that I've created something that I'm really proud of. And when I am feeling self-doubt and when I'm feeling insecure. I go and watch that promo video. It's like a two-minute highlight reel. If you go on to Economy Conference on YouTube, it's like the first video that you see. It's two minutes long, and it's just a highlight reel of last year's event. And I just watch that, and it, it's like, man, it's worth it. It's worth this heartache. It's worth the financial risk because I got to create something I'm really proud of. And the other way I justify it is that you know I've decided not to have children. I like to tell people I've been blessed with no children. Economy is like my baby. You know, I didn't I didn't birth a child. I birthed a conference and a world adventure by walking the Camino, I like to say. But if I would have had a child, it would have cost me a hell of a lot more than 40 grand over 18 years. So I think we choose to risk or spend money on things that are really valuable to us. And and creating this has been really valuable to me on many levels. So yeah, that's what I'll say about that. 
you were pretty open about the fact that for the first economy conference, it almost didn't happen, right? There was yeah. kind of a dark period there in the planning. Have you found that planning this one has been a lot easier? I, I've still had dark periods. I would say it's a roller coaster. It's like ups and downs, ups and downs. Um, it's funny because when you go through a deep depression and then you come out of it, it feels like you conquered something. It feels like, okay, I'm past that. It'll never happen again. And then it happens again and it's even more demoralizing. And so I've definitely still struggled with it. But I think it, what it really comes down to is being so uncomfortable with uncertainty but it's the reality of life. Life is uncertain. And, you know, resisting that, I think, is what creates a lot of heartache for me. The, there's this great quote by a, a spiritual teacher, Byron Katie, and she says, if you fight with reality, you'll lose, but only 100% of the time. <laughs> and I love that because, you know, I think that a lot of us, we, we want to control everything. Even the pursuit of fire is, is almost a, it gives us a semblance of control that we're controlling our financial futures and we're protecting ourselves from life, life's unknowns, which is, that's still a valuable pursuit. But the reality is that it's all unknown. And so fighting with that, I think has caused me a lot of anguish. You mentioned this idea of fighting with reality and it hits me that our reality has changed a lot since yeah. the last economy conference. I mean, we've gone through a pandemic. Talk about how the last year and a half has been for the fire community in general. Is this the same fire community that showed up to the first economy? I would say that they probably have more of a resolve on their financial goals. I think they, maybe it's a wake up call that life is short and that more flexibility in the pursuit of, of FI is warranted. I think especially for people who were not conscious about money before, I had this amazing conversation with a guy who he just stepped in last minute to help us out with some tech stuff at Economy last year. He wasn't interested in the subject matter. I had no idea what fire was. You know, he's helping out with sound and lighting and stuff, but he's listening to everything that was happening on stage. When I talked to him yesterday, he said, man, you have no idea how much I needed to hear all that hmm. and how stepping into all of the upheaval of the pandemic, which he's in event production. So it, his, his income was gone and he had to really start thinking about things a lot differently. And he said he felt economy really prepared him for that, which was like, wow, you know, I love hearing how it impacts people because it really does make it all worth it. But I would say, you know, for the fire community, I think it's it's it, I think it's strengthened some resolve. I really do. I think people are recognizing that nothing's guaranteed. And you could plan to retire in 10 years and then go do something amazing. But if the world is completely different in 10 years and that opportunity no longer exists, you know, how do you balance? protecting your future, but also, you know, living in the moment and still enjoying today. I, I think there's a real balancing act that's discussed a lot within the fire movement and even more so given where, you know, we are today. Yeah. The balance between deferred gratification and YOLO. It, it's really yeah. hard to try to yeah. figure out because we should live in the moment sometimes. Right. And then we should plan for the future at others and how to kind of figure out what that line is. And I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think you could do both, right? 
I mean, that's kind of where I saw myself ending up at my 60% savings rate. I'm saving for the future, you know? And so I don't need to keep increasing that rate. I can, I can now maybe take the, my foot off the gas a little bit and explore some things that, that I want to explore that I don't have to wait to explore. And speaking of the future, assuming the economics work out, is it safe to say that economy will become a yearly conference? Yes. I, I mean, it has to. I, it, it's As a business person, it does make sense to say, okay, my business model and the way that I set this up isn't sustainable, you know, or there's, you know, it doesn't work. I have to shut it down. I can't be taking a 40 grand loss every year. Right. But the emotional side of like why I'm doing this says, well, then I'll figure out another way. I'll get more sponsors. I'll market it differently. I'll change it up to make it more sustainable. So, so yes, Economy is going to be here for many, many years. I think that's a good place to end. Economy clearly for you is a labor of love, but not just for you, but I also think for the people of this community who show up and learn and can come together. It was a great event last year when I went. I am so excited. I will be there this year. And so should you. November 13th and 14th, University of Cincinnati. There's no such thing as University of Ohio. It's Ohio State. That's what it is. Ohio State. Uh, Not not OSU, University of Cincinnati. (laughs) But I think it's going to be a great event and tickets are available. So come and be part of our community. Diane, I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where can we find you if we want to learn more? Clearly, economy is up next. But is there anything else you want to tell us about? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I'm the host of the Optimal Finance Daily podcast, um, where I'm actually, I started reading some of your work and your writing, Doc G. I think a recent episode, I read your work. I'll have to look that up and send it to you. But this is a podcast where I'm basically narrating blog posts from your favorite personal finance bloggers. I like to say that they wrote these amazing songs and I get to perform the covers. So come on over to Optimal Finance Daily. It is every single day of the week, all year long and 10 minutes or less. It's like you're a little daily dose of of personal finance knowledge. And then of course, come hang out with me in Cincinnati at the Economy Conference. And I'll set up a little discount code for listeners for 10% off, earn and invest. And remember, you got to spell out ands because we can't do characters. So earn and invest, all caps, all one word will get you 10% off. And that's what at EconomyCon dot com or economy economyconference.com economyconference.com excellent remember economy is spelled with an m e at the end not an m y because i love misspelled words (laughs) this has been the earn and invest podcast on behalf of myself doc g i'd like to thank diana miriam of the economy conference that's a wrap Is that right? Yeah, that was great. I really like, I get so excited. I get so I know, sweaty. I get that you lean forward and your, your eyes do get big. I know, and, I get the crazy eyes. and oh, Not crazy, the passionate, the excited. Uh, yeah. I just, it's like just the way this is coming together and um, 
you know, like getting Pete and Paula last minute. I was about to say, look at that marquee speakers list. Pete does not do much anymore, ever. Like, it's hard. I've I've begged him to be on this podcast many times. And he was once because I think it was a topic he really wanted to talk about. But Well, and I got Carl to think for that. So, you know, they, they're friends yeah, and, and they you know, right so... But he was extremely helpful. And um, yeah, it's so funny. I said, I mentioned like Pete and Paula to someone the other day, and they were like, uh, you're like peaking in year two. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, that's the thing, though, is you gotta, it, it is, it's interesting because you will start every year, it's gonna be like, okay, who am I gonna get? And it's not just topping because you don't necessarily want to top, but it's it's finding interesting, provocative speakers, yeah. right? And oh so, yeah. But I mean, this community has so many of them, yeah, so yeah. many of them. I don't think I'm going to have any shortage of speakers for years to come. You know, I mean, they're they're as much as like it's like what they say at FinCon, like there's room for everyone there yeah. because we could have so many people talking about money and yet we still reach such a small segment of the population. So yeah, there's, I actually have a list. Um, cause you know, I had to call on 150 people to get my nine speakers last year. <laughs> the first and time, I've yes. con- Yeah. And I've continued adding to that list. It's up to like over 350 prospects wow. for speakers. So wow. I feel like I have plenty to, to, to work with for years to come. Yeah, and it, it, certainly, I, I think um, the change in format to having a panel will be cool. Having the podcast uh, will be cool. Whether you mean to or not, it really is going to probably blossom over a whole series of little events in those mm-hmm. two-day period that I think the more you do this every year, there's going to be little additions and subtractions that are just going to kind of make it a, a very rich weekend your your problem is gonna be at some point it's gonna be like maybe it should be more than a day or two <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm absolutely would love to see it to continue to grow and um what gets me jazzed is like i'll just get i'll get ideas that i'm like oh my gosh we have to do that you know like the the cincinnati chartered bus tour was me just like laying in bed about to fall asleep and this is what happens. I'll get like a vision. Like I'll just get, it just pops in my head. And I saw the bus. I saw the logo on the side of the bus. I imagined like real estate investors looking at this market. And I like hopped out of bed and I had to go figure out how to make it happen. You know? And I, I, I imagine that that's going to continue happening as, as the event evolves Yeah. and people definitely. giving me ideas too. Right. Like, talking to Joe and asking him to speak. He's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm about to do a book tour. Let's do a live taping. Like I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily 
wherever you get your podcasts.